we're going to, um, at least this morning, maybe for the next couple of weeks, we'll see uh, where the Lord leads us. But we're going to look through Sunday school messages. How many of you, when you were young, maybe you went to Sunday school once or you grew up going to Sunday school? And, okay, that is not as many people as I thought. Um, but um, anyway, so um, whether you went to Sunday school or not, chances are you've probably heard at least a couple of Bible stories. Um, you may have no idea who Zerubbabel is, um, but you probably know Jonah and the whale. You probably know David and Goliath. You probably know Daniel in the lion's den. And all of these stories, they're amazing. I mean, I understand why we tell them to children, because they're action-packed, um, they're amazing, you know, they're, they're just, they make amazing stories, they make wonderful coloring sheets and wonderful uh, workbooks as well. Um, so that's probably why we teach them to children. But they also teach us something amazing about God. Because they're, they're action-packed stories where impossible things happen. So it's like growing up, maybe you heard, uh, you know, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and being thrown into the fire and the fact that they survive and then the Son of God is walking in the fire with them. It's like that is an impossible thing that shows the amazingness of our God. But sometimes as we get older, we kind of, we water them down and we explain it away. But what happened? What would happen? What would your faith be like? if you receive those stories, those true stories, in the same way a young child does. That if you heard and you received that God made the world in six days, God can do anything. And you believed it just like these young children at the front do. What impact would that have on your faith? What impact would that have on your life? If you believe that God, it doesn't matter what the situation is like, God, I know you'll come through with me. Uh, you'll come through for me. But as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, even if you don't, Lord, we're still not going to bow to any other. What impact would that have on your life? We have an amazing, powerful God of miracles. And we're just going to look at one of those true stories for a couple of moments this morning. And then afterwards, we're going to come and we're going to have communion. But as we do, because as we read through these accounts, sometimes, and I hope this isn't the case, but you might think, that was wonderful that God did that then. But you know, he still does it now. I was speaking to Paul uh, just at the beginning of the service. Three years ago today, Paul began a, a very difficult journey of having operations to try and get rid of his cancer. And today, he sits here cancer-free. So we just praise God for the doctors. We praise them for their help. And we praise God that he never let you go, did he, Paul? But we're glad you did. So we praise God. Without God, nothing is impossible. So I just want to, this morning, for a couple of moments, look through one of these stories with you. And we're going to look through Daniel in the lion's den. And uh, just to refresh um, your, your mind of how the story goes, and if you grew up in Sunday school, you might have heard it something like this. There was a young man taken to Babylon whose name was Daniel. 
and Daniel, he worshipped God, and he wouldn't worship any other God. And one day, the king made a rule that for the next month, you can only pray to the king. Anybody who prays to any other God except the king will be thrown into the lion's den where they'll have, of course, they'll be eaten and killed by the lions. But Daniel, having heard that, went into his room, opened up his windows towards Jerusalem, and prayed to his God. He was caught, he was thrown into the lion's den, and then miraculously, he survived. When the king opened up the um, opened up the lion's den in the morning. He peered in, probably expecting to see some rather satisfied lions. What he found was he found Daniel still alive because Daniel's God had saved his life. And if God can do that for Daniel, can he not do it for you too? And if you really believe that, that it doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter whether it's persecution by maybe not getting that job promotion. It doesn't matter whether your life is literally on the line and you're going to be shot, or like Daniel, you're going to suffer a horrendous death. God is always faithful. God is always powerful, and my trust will always be in Him. What would your life be like if you really believed that? And this is a challenge to me too. But if the answer is anything but what it is now, then you have more to learn about the Lord. Because this is the place where Daniel was living. And I just want to go through, and we're going to kind of go through this story and perhaps fill in some bits that you may not have learned in Sunday school. First of all, Daniel, when this took place, he was not a young man. If you follow through, like he was, uh, he was taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar then had a son whose name was Nebuzaradan. He then had a son whose name was Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar was then overthrown by Darius the Mede. And that's where this story takes place. Daniel was probably in his mid-70s when this event happened. He wasn't a young man who was like, I can fight the lions and win. He was an old man who trusted his God. And I just want to encourage you, especially you older saints, you have a lot to offer. By this time, I, I, I wonder, and this is just speculation, I wonder what would have happened if this had happened to Daniel at the very beginning of his time in captivity. Because by this time, he'd had 60 years of walking with God. 60 years of God proving himself faithful time and time again to Daniel. It started off when he was taken into captivity and they said, you need to eat these foods. And Daniel, not because he was, uh, you know, like promoting veganism or vegetarianism, but because he wanted to be faithful to his God. He says, no, I can't eat the foods of Babylon. I just want to eat the foods that my God lets me. And as um, Daniel said, let me eat the foods that my God allows and let me do that for about a week or two weeks or so. And if I'm still healthy, then let me continue uh, being faithful to my God. And if I'm not, then I'll eat your foods. And after that time expired, Daniel was healthier than all the other people who were eating the best foods Babylon could offer. 
all those years, and by the way, there aren't food laws anymore, so if you want to have a bacon sarnie, you're more than welcome to. Um, but all those years of God being faithful to Daniel and Daniel being faithful to God led him to this point where this could happen. There's something about older saints who have walked for decades with the Lord and have proven themselves faithful that if, say, we younger ones, we need to learn from them. One of my favorite um, early church fathers, I think everybody should have a list of favorite early church fathers, Um, his name was Polycarp. He was a bishop of a town called Smyrna in Turkey. He was actually a disciple of John the Apostle. And at the end of his life, age 86 years old, he was arrested and the governor of the region was basically, he was like, look, dude, you're an old man. You're not going to live much longer anyway. If you just renounce Jesus, then I'll let you go free. And this is what Polycarp turned around to the governor and said. He said, 86 years I have served Christ. He has never done me any harm. How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? And with that cry, an 86-year-old man was burnt alive as a faithful witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about older saints that your witness and your faithfulness to God over all the years that you've walked with him that we need to learn from. And Daniel was in that place in his mid-70s. And by the time this is happening, um, so Daniel, he started off, he was a captive, brought in. He was one of the more educated um, people from Judah. So they educated him. And by this time, um, the kingdom, it had kind of been divided up into like council areas. You know, like we have uh, local councillors for all the different areas in the UK. That had happened. The The kingdom was divided up into 120 councils. They called them satrap, satrap. 120 councils, and over those 120 councillors, there were three governors. And Daniel was one of those governors. He'd proven himself faithful. He'd remained faithful to the Lord in the midst of all of it. And because of it, God had lifted him up to where he was councillor number one next to the king. And King Darius, he really trusted Daniel He valued his counsel, but a lot of the other governors, a lot of the other satraps, they were incredibly jealous of Daniel. And they wanted to get Daniel in trouble. And just to say, you walking faithfully with God does not mean everybody will like you. Because when you walk in faithfully with God completely contradicts and runs opposite to the way their life is going. They will hate you because of your love for Christ. That's what Jesus said to us. He said, "Um, if the world hated me, how much more will they hate you? And it's like, thanks, Jesus. But he says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And Daniel was living that out 500 years before Jesus said it. While all these, uh, the, the two other governors, most of, the, uh, most of the satraps, they come together and they plot against Daniel. They say, look, Daniel, he's faithful. The king trusts him. He's really good at everything he does. Said he had an excellent spirit about him. 
They said they couldn't fault him because of his faithfulness, and they couldn't fault him because of the quality of his work, because he had an excellent spirit about him. They said, if we want to turn the king against him, the only way we can do it is by his faith in God. And just to comment on that, Daniel was able to be faithful because he knew his responsibilities. It's hard to be faithful when you don't know what you're, fa- what you're meant to be faithful for. So knowing those boundaries, knowing what you're responsible for, it enables you to walk faithfully. So I'd encourage you, it, whether it's in work, whether it's in church, whether it's at home, if you're like, I want to be faithful, but I don't know what I'm responsible for, then find out. Because the Lord wants you to be faithful. So find out. But Daniel, he was a faithful man. And they wanted to try and catch him out because of his faithfulness. They couldn't catch him out because of his faithfulness to the king. So they wanted to try and catch him out because of his faithfulness to God. So these two other governors, these satraps, they went to King Darius. And they said, look, all of us governors, all of of us satraps, have got together and we've had a talk, which was a lie. Because Daniel, he was one of the governors and he wasn't involved in the conversation. So just be aware, not everybody tells the truth. I think we as, now we as believers, we should be people of the truth. It should be difficult for you to lie. Because you have the spirit of truth living inside of you. But that's not the case for the world. And whilst we want to walk as people of truth, we also have to recognize that not everybody else does. And that's what happened to Daniel. They went to the king and they directly lied to him. And they said, king, we as the satraps, we as the governors, ignoring the fact that Daniel wasn't involved in this decision, have decided that for the next month, Nobody in the whole kingdom should worship anybody else except you. And if they do, they should be thrown into the lion's den. King Darius? Oh, that seems a pretty good idea. I mean, if all the governors have agreed to it, if all the satraps have agreed to it, then okay, let's do it. And the way the law of the land worked is once the king signed it into law, it was irrevocable. The king himself could not change the laws that he'd already made. And just a lesson of decision-making with that, King Darius made his decision based on false information. So if you're in charge of decision-making, try your best to verify the information you've received before you make a decision based on it. But Darius, he makes this law signs it into place, and then this verse is a very special verse to us as a church, and I'll let you know why. It's Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Where's Ali? There he is. (laughs) Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that's the law, he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. 
This verse is very special to us as a church. If you've only been coming here, well, I say only, it was about three years ago now. If you've joined the church within about the last three years, and you may not be aware of this, but we stayed open as a church during lockdown. Not because we were seeking to be rebellious against the government, but because, as it says in this verse, it was our custom that we gathered together. And we believed that that law which God gave us, that command that God gave us not to forsake the gathering of the brethren, as is the habit of some, that we needed to continue meeting. So all the leaders, they got together and they prayed. And then Ali brought this word that gathering together three times that day, as was his custom since early days, that we should continue gathering. So we did. And God, by his faithfulness, we, open, um, you know, we closed for a couple months um, uh, from early 2020, from the February time when it was announced. We reopened at Pentecost, and then we didn't close again after that. But um, this word was released. We received it as the word of the Lord, and uh, the Lord was faithful to us as a church. And uh, we're just thankful to Ali for bringing that word, because look what the Lord's done in these years. But Daniel, this situation with him, he, the key thing was he wasn't seeking to be rebellious. He was seeking to continue doing what he already did. And this, I believe, is the key part of Daniel's story. I don't think it was Daniel's faith that saved him in the lion's den. I think it was his faithfulness that saved him in the lion's den. Because often when we talk of faith, or sometimes when we talk of faith, we're thinking of a one-off amazing moment where you stand up in the midst of everything else and one big amazing act of faith and everything changes. And as you're walking with the Lord, you will have those big one-off amazing moments of faith where God does something in you, God does something through you, and everything changes. But Daniel, here, it doesn't say it was a big one-off act. It says he got down on his knees, and he prayed to his God, looking towards Jerusalem, as was his custom since early days. Daniel wasn't seeking to do anything else to prove a point against that law. Daniel was seeking to continue walking with his God as he always had done. And I think this is the key lesson. Your faithfulness now will deliver you later. Because when the going gets tough, I'm not trying to establish healthy and godly patterns then. When the going gets tough, I'm seeking to continue walking in my habits and in my patterns before the Lord that are already set up. The reason they knew they could catch Daniel praying with his windows open, looking towards Jerusalem, is because they knew that they would find Daniel praying with his windows open, looking towards Jerusalem. They knew that was Daniel's habit. They knew that was one of Daniel's acts of faithfulness towards his God, that no matter what happens, no matter how the day is going, no matter what situation it is, he prays to his God. It was Daniel's pattern 
It was Daniel's habit of faithfulness towards his gods that they used to catch him out. But it was Daniel's faithfulness towards his God that delivered him in the lion's den. I just want to jump down. So they find Daniel praying. They find him looking towards Jerusalem. And they go back to the king and they say, King, did you not make this law? And the king goes, yes, I did. And he says, well, we saw Daniel. And it's interesting how they address him. They don't say Governor Daniel, you know, your favorite, the number one guy who you trust more than anybody else. They said, we saw Daniel, that captive from Judah. We saw him praying, not to you, but to his God. At that point, Darius realizes he's been tricked. He realizes he's been caught out, but there's nothing he can do. Because once he made the law, it was law. So after trying to spend a day to try and figure out how he could possibly free, uh, free Daniel from being thrown to the lions, eventually the king, not finding a way, he gives a command. Daniel is cast into the lion's den. But in verse 16, Daniel chapter 6, verse 16, as Daniel is being thrown into the lion's den, King Darius, who, by the way, in his society was worshipped as a god, the king says this to him, says, so the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. I want to make two points from that. First of all, King Darius, he was worshipped as a god and there were the gods of Babylon, there were the gods of the Medes, there were the gods of the Persians who they held in high esteem. Those were the ones who the temples were built to. But when push came to shove, when the difficult situation happened, this god king of Persia said to Daniel, not I will deliver you from the lion's den. He wasn't able to. He says, your God will deliver you from the lion's den. Your faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ lifts him up as supreme in the face of other so-called gods. As you walk with God, you know, maybe a hundred years ago, basically you either believed in Jesus or you didn't. There wasn't really presented many other options in the UK. Now, people say you can worship this, you can worship that, you can worship that. That's the situation Daniel was in. But as he was faithful to his gods, it lifted God up as supreme in the face of all these other so-called gods. As you walk faithfully to the Lord Jesus Christ, it lifts him up as supreme in the face of Allah. It lifts him up as supreme in the face of Krishna. It lifts him up as supreme in the face of Buddha. As you walk faithfully to the Lord Jesus Christ. But... The comment that the king makes is he says, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. It was as Daniel served God continually. He wasn't saying it was that one big off moment five years ago, that that's the reason that God would deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He said, it's because you serve him continually. It's because you walk with him every single day 
your God will deliver you. As you walk with the Lord, and you probably already have some of them, there'll be those big stand-up moments where you're like, wow, that was a big moment. That's when God really answered for me. That's when God really used me in an amazing way. And you need and you will have those moments in your life as you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But, as, but discipleship isn't made up of those big moments alone. It's made up of this step today and this step the next day and this step the day after and this step the day after. That as you every single day set your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and every single day you prove him faithful and every single day you walk faithfully before him. That's the situation Daniel was in. That's a situation that the king recognized Daniel was living like and he said because of that your God will deliver you. Your faithfulness now to God will deliver you later. And I don't know about you, but when you think of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, chances are in your head you have a picture of what happened in the lion's den. That, you know, maybe it was Daniel thrown in, the lions are crowding around him, and he stands up and he says, in the name of the Lord of hosts, cease. But he doesn't say any of that. We're not told any of the action that happened in the lion's den. The only thing we're told is in verse, starting with verse 21, Darius, he comes down. In verse 22, Daniel, this is all he says. He says, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. It wasn't that by faith, Daniel closed the lion's mouths and stopped them from killing him. I'm sure Daniel probably was praying and standing in faith in the lion's den. I doubt he was like, eh, it'll be all right. I imagine he was doing some pretty heavy intercession, you know? But he doesn't say that. As Daniel was faithful to God, God was faithful to Daniel and sent his angel to close the lion's mouth. The only thing we know about the lion's den was not Daniel's single act of faith. It was God's faithfulness to his faithful servant. That's what we see in the lion's den. It wasn't an amazing one-off act of faith by Daniel, although I'm sure he was praying and stirring up faith. It wasn't an amazing one-off act of faith. It was God's continuing faithfulness to his continually faithful servant. That's what we see from the lion's den. So for you, your faithfulness now to God, your faithfulness to God today, your faithfulness to God tomorrow, your faithfulness to God next week and next, uh, and next month and next year. And you're like, maybe none of those are big stand-up moments. And remember, even in the life of Daniel, 60 to 70 years of faithfulness of walking with God. And there's 10 
individual experiences recorded for us in the book of Daniel. All those unseen moments of faithfulness where you stand in the name of the Lord, where you stand and you won't back down. You'll, you'll, I'm going to remain faithful to God no matter what, whether anybody sees or they don't. Those moments matter. Because your continuing faithfulness to God will deliver you later. Because God is faithful to you, and as you're faithful to Him, He will remain faithful to you. So walk with Him. Don't wait for those one-off acts of faith where it's like, well, I know I, I'm not really doing but when that moment comes... You'll remain faithful when that moment comes if you remain faithful today. So walk faithfully before God because God is faithful to you. And as we come to the table, in that we remember the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't have to go to the cross and die for you. He didn't have to go and do that, but he did it, A, out of faithfulness to his father because his father told him to, and he's been obedient to his father. But also he did it out of love for you that he gave his life so that you could receive life from him. And as we come to the table, the words that Jesus said about the cup is he says, this cup, is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. And a covenant is when God makes a promise. He makes a promise and he intends on keeping it. So as we come to the table, we remember that God made a promise, that Jesus made a promise. He didn't make it to you, he made it to his Father, that his blood, his sacrifice, his death on the cross, his resurrection would wash away all of your sins, that he would be the total payment for your sins so that you could have life with the Father, so that you could live in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we come to this table, we remember not just when God was faithful to Daniel, we remember now that Jesus is faithful to us today. He was faithful 2,000 years ago in giving his life, but he is faithful to us today. And he calls us as his people to walk faithfully towards him. And as we take that cup, we're saying, Jesus, you were faithful to me, and I'm continuing to commit to walk faithfully before you. And if you haven't yet put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then this table stands as a witness to you. It stands as a witness that there is a Savior who died so that you could have life. And there is a Savior that rose so that you can follow Him. He already is faithful. He already is faithful to you. He's done everything that was needed for you to be saved. The question is, how will you respond to Him? And as we come to the table, if you haven't yet responded to him, then you must. You go to him and you say, Jesus, I believe you're risen from the dead. I believe you're coming back. That's the witness of the table. You're coming back.
and your Lord, so I'm going to follow you. So as we transition over to the table now, as we transition over to communion now, where we remember the shed blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, in these moments while we transition over, you turn to him and you say, Jesus, I believe that you are alive and your Lord, so I'll follow you with my life. And then come and partake of the table. Be a part of it. Celebrate God's faithfulness in his death and resurrection to us. Let's pray and then we'll, uh, then we'll move to communion. Father God, we thank you that you are a faithful God. You are the one true and living God. You're the one who delivered Daniel from the lion's den. You're the one who sent your angel to save him. And Lord, we just thank you for Daniel's faithfulness to you over those 60, 70 years where he walked with you. Lord Jesus, I pray for each one in this place who believes in you, who knows you, who trusts you. Lord, that we would be those who would walk the rest of our lives, however long they may be, in faithfulness to you. Lord, not turning, not looking anywhere else, but in faithfulness and trust to you, knowing that, Lord, you are faithful to us. And, Lord, we want to respond to you and be faithful to you. Lord, we thank you for your shed blood and your broken body. Thank you for your continuing faithful to us that you haven't stopped keeping your covenant, that your blood is still enough. Lord, we thank you that we get to celebrate you now. In Jesus' name, amen.